Hello, and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative-focused game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm Alex. Duncan here. <laughs> this time, every time you say anything other than I'm Duncan, it throws me off so fucking hard. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it is no, you're good. It's as I, as I was saying that. Here's what I do with this. I, there's no cognitive functioning that happens when i do that literally as those words were coming out of my mouth i was realizing i was thinking man i'm so glad i don't have to think about anything i'm saying because i had this intro down pat and then you said something different and a fucking train went off the rails dude it was great anyway this week we are playing heaven will be mine uh heaven will be mine developed by worst girl games and pillow fight i don't know if they published it or not um released july 25th 2018 you can pick it up on pc or ios at 15 dollars uh it was worst girl games i'm going to refer to them as like the you know development group because i don't know specifically how many people worked on it but i do know the writer is i believe her name is avb and the art direction was mia schwartz i think it's only those two but i don't want to leave anyone out so i'll just someone else did um, the music uh yes the music was alec lambert thank you thank you yes I do have that pull up as well. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that um, real quick. I'm gonna give a brief elevator pitch. We're not gonna do the typical walking through the story because it just doesn't really um, work for this narrative. And then we'll kind of talk about some some spoiler free thoughts, our experiences playing this game, kind of um, things we we worked and didn't work for us. But up top, just so um, we're all on the same page, this is a visual novel. Uh, it is a visual novel set in. It's not really, a, I wouldn't say like a far distant future, but it is a sci-fi experience visual novel. The in, you know entire game is structured around making a couple of choices. Um, but the thing that I want people to know is like, again, it is a very densely written visual novel, right? There is a lot, the, the prose in there is just, there's a lot going on. It's very poetic at a lot of points. It's a lot more reading than I feel like most visual novels we've played have ended up being. Um, and it, you know deals with some some relatively heavy themes and it deals with some um like very uh, heavy is maybe not even the right word it deals with a lot of themes about you know finding your place in the world it deals with themes of homophobia uh deals with themes of gender identity quite a bit i mean it is a explicitly by its own admission it is a very gay game um and in the best way possible uh, and it is um probably five or six hours of, of again i would qualify it as some of the denser reading uh I think we have ever done for this podcast and some of the denser reading I have ever played um, in a game before. Or I have a read in a game before. So just be be aware of that up front. Um, but it is extremely like far sci-fi type thing. So if that sounds up your alley, again, I don't want to give virtually anything away until we get to that point. Um, so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, oh, definitely, um, definitely look into picking it up. Yeah. Um, so just kind of at the top here are spoiler-free thoughts. I'll share how I felt about it first. Um, this is one. This is one we've been putting off for a while. Uh, I think a was couple, it one or two years? Yeah, a couple of years ago, we wanted to play it, and we were running close on time. And I played the first half hour of it, and I made a mistake. There are three playable characters. I chose the one that they did not put me on on default, which is my bad entirely, because I was like, this character looks cool. And it is probably by far one of the more um, out there parts of the story or like one of the more mm -hmm. characters that's going to take a little bit more. Um, either you need to know more about the story or you need to have a bit of a higher AR level. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's like a, she's like a reading level 12. Um, <laughs> and I'm like a six or whatever. But uh, you level up with 
you know, learning more about other characters. But anyways, so when we did that, it was like, I was like, I, I can't do this one right now. Like, it's just not enough. It's not enough time. It's very confusing for me. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll just come back to it. And we never <laughs> did until a couple days ago. And didn't you just hear me say we didn't have enough time? Well, that kind of happened here too. But I am super, super happy we sprung and shotgun this. Uh, I think we played this over like four or five days. Yeah, right? I think it was four days for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was... It was really nice because I think it kept a lot of the, the 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 kind of context for me all strung together because this was probably one of the hardest games for me in general because of the kind of like, okay, I have to keep track of a lot of things that I'm not mm -hmm. like fully used to keeping track of and thinking about like, you know, different types of metaphors and and and, and subtext and things like that. And that's not something I engage myself with enough which is like a mistake on my part but you know whatever it's fucking life happens uh but mm -hmm. I, I i found myself pushing through that challenge and coming out the other side feeling like i had accomplished something which is not something that i thought i would feel after finishing this game which is kind of like a tangent about the overall game's quality but just like more of a message to those who may have been listening and being like, I don't know, that sounds like it's, you know, it's kind of difficult or like it may not be, you know, exactly easy for me to get through. It, it'll happen. It just takes a lot of time, a little bit of concentration and uh, and you'll get through it. So uh, to kind of go off of that, I want to just say that this was a really, really enjoyable experience for me. Um, I, I, I started off thinking like, I don't, I, I, I think... I like this. I think I get it. And then by the end, when I had reflected about it, thought about it a lot and connected with it a lot, which I'll get into more later when we can actually like talk about the story, I think it ended up being one of my, probably one of my favorite visual novels overall. Like I, I really enjoyed the way that this person, uh, that, that, um, sorry, I forgot her name already. AV, AVB, AVB writes about things and we're going to, I'm pull assuming some that's samples how you pronounce well. it again. I, I have not found anywhere where it is spoken so that's makes sense to me but if that's incorrect i apologize for sure and, and i just I, I i we're gonna pull up some examples later so you can hear what i'm mm -hmm. talking about but um i think overall it was just like a really enjoyable experience and there are some things that you know didn't click exactly perfectly for me and 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 some things where i'm like oh it'd be so cool if you had this but i mean the music a lot of the art is great and obviously the writing is 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 superb so this was a very enjoyable experience for me. Uh, how about you, Alex? Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to echo a lot of what you said there. Um, I did think it's interesting, you know, like you had said, we we kind of were talking as we were both playing through this game. Um, and, and I was very curious as we progressed through it how you would feel about this game, right? Because the writing style is very... Uh, what is a, a good way to describe it? It's very like disconnected in a lot of ways. It, it demands a lot of you. It works in this sort of like non, uh, it's non grounded space a lot. It's yeah. It, it's like one of those pieces where it's like where some pieces of art. It's like you have to look in between the lines. You have to you know understand mm -hmm. what the. It's like one of those sort of um, yeah. But it's also shit like that too. But it, the writing was also just very poetic and flowy at a lot of points. Right where yeah, it was like, hey, yeah. this you know. 
in a more poorly written game, this line would not be given the room to breathe that it has in this particular game. Uh, and I think that is a an enormous testament to the writing, right? This is um, you know, very, very much extremely my shit, the type of writing where it's like, hey, there are there's a lot of really good world building going on in the writing. There's a lot of good characterization. There's a lot of good stuff. But then uh, there's like a, a kind of metatextual layer above that where it's, it's metatextual is not the right word. But there's a layer above that where it's like, hey, the narration is kind of like going for a different writing style than everything else. Right. The, like the narration has a specific style. The characters have a specific style. And then the in-game letters have a specific style. And I think they um, they, they kind of nail those on on every front. Right. Um it it was like I I will say you know like Duncan had said if you are somebody who does not have a lot of experience with you know just reading denser text in general um you you may have to take it a little slowly you may have to reread some things you may have to replay some things it is completely worth it so I highly recommend you do that don't be scared off by that at all um, yeah you you will absolutely get there um you know I I tried for whatever reason I decided not to make a pitch for it up top. I want to just give you an overall idea, but I do very, very strongly recommend everybody play this game. I think this game is phenomenal. Like, I think the writing is incredible. Um, there, you know, again, a lot of the themes are not themes that I directly connect with in my life. You know, a lot of the themes, you know, it is, again, like I said, a very queer game. It is about queer women who are, you know, ship pilots. It is about, uh, again, gender identity. It is about cultural pressure due to those things. It is about all, you know, transphobia and homophobia back on, like, the the standard culture of Earth. Things that in my day-to-day life don't impact me, but also, you know, the writing is so good and so authentic in so many ways that you can completely, you know, even coming from a a, a perspective where you don't have a touchstone with that specifically, it, it still completely works. And you can, you know, obviously you have to have some degree of, like, empathy and be able to put yourself into the shoes of the characters to some degree, but it, it 100% works. And it it is one of those pieces of art where you engage with it and go, oh, Right. This is why it's important to have like authentic art from, you know, people who are in the specific uh like people who share these specific identities, people who are in these marginalized groups, like writing and making art as opposed to people making art about marginalized groups or about people who have different identities than them, because it just comes across in such a such a more powerful way, in such a a, a way that it, it feels weaved into the narrative in such a way that you know, it's not, uh, I don't want to say, like, bludgeoning you over the head, but I keep going back to things like, again, like, Life is Strange 2, we had some problems with the the last act of that game, with the way that it was just sort uh, of... You mean, you know, uh, not Life is Strange 2, the, the other one, what's it called? Well, specifically, I do mean Life is Strange 2, because the last episode of that one, they, they kind of wielded some, like, ah, here's politics oh, for the sake of politics okay, that it. has no, like... You know, it, it took well-developed characters and then took a step back from them in order to make a point. And I think that it, it lost something there because it wasn't making the point with those characters, which would have been a lot stronger and, and connected quite a bit more. Uh, and I think Heaven Will Be Mine, you know, absolutely comes across it in every way extremely authentic and powerful in its writing. And, you know, but it's not like, again, it's not a story that's like, hey, we, you know, we're trying to be a tearjerker or anything like that, that that is just trying to play with your emotions. It's just a really, really, really fucking well-written game. And again, we have like arguably far too many examples that we're hoping to read off during the show of yeah. how good the writing is, but uh, I can't, I can't recommend it strongly enough. It, it, it's a game that has been constantly in my head since I finished it. And I'm very excited to talk about it and hoping we do it justice um, because uh, we've absolutely fucked up talking about games that we really liked in the past. <laughs> For sure. And, and, 
and not only does it have those 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 really nice moments but it's also kind of like a it's it's very flirty and it's very fun as well like mm-hmm. it has moments where so you know you when we'll talk about this when we talk about you know more about how the game works but it kind of weaves in between uh, like alex said the writing styles of like when it's characters dialogue versus the narration versus like these chats you have with people in between the missions but mm-hmm. some of the ways that they have these characters interact as like a nice break from some of the narration and then some of the yeah. the different moments. So not only is it just like, hey, this is a really, you know, good, um, a lot of good world building and things like that, but it's also just kind of a fun, uh, fun for to like observe some of these characters and see how they develop and, and, and how the uh, endings affect them. So yeah. with that being also just a oh yeah, go good ahead. fucking sci-fi story. I just want yes. I don't want to like yes. w- to walk past that because it is so like ephemeral in a lot of ways. But like when you do get a grasp on what's going on, it's just good fucking science fiction. Like absolutely top tier stuff. Yeah, I found I found these concepts like like the overall the concepts we're going to touch on to be so much more exciting to the point where I've been toying with the idea of being like should we because uh alex and a friend group and i are trying to play some ttrpg games that was like between sci-fi and fantasy and this is like well, i know i'm not going to be able to write as good as this but it just kind of pushed me to be like there are some really interesting ideas in sci-fi and this is mm-hmm. you know that super excited me so let's um let's stop dilly-dallying around so we can make this a tight nice good episode and let's actually <laughs> get into the story so we can talk about some of the things um so the world did you want to take on the world did you want to be the weight of the world alex (laughs) i was bored ever since i was a small child i was being told how i could take on the world um yeah i'll i'll talk briefly about the world so we'll, we'll talk probably about the world and then how the narrative is designed some of the characters and then like a super brief plot and and ending summary we're not going to step through every every moment of the story like we have in the past because again there's just there's just no good reason for it um so this the the world that the game takes place in is um kind of i would say uh for for lack of a better word it's like alternate future or alternate history timeline right i think technically the game is taking place in the 1980s coming off the heels of a Cold War, um, but the Cold War was not the Cold War that we know on Earth, right? It was not like the U.S. and Russia arms race type thing. It was explicitly about humanity, like, launching into space to fight what they perceived to be, you know, essentially some sort of alien, some sort of, they they very rarely will refer to, or they will never refer to specifically what it was. They will just refer to it as the existential threat. Um, so it, it's what they perceive to be this this big existential threat that is uh, a threat to Earth. So they, they launch kind of essentially the space colony, you know, they put it up into the moon and, you know, kind of grows from there into this kind of separate subsection of humanity that is living in space, which is where they, they create these ship selves which are the um mechs that everybody is piloting i guess i don't know if we use the term mech it is extremely a mech anime i want to be clear about that um but it, it's where they created these ships to then fight this existential threat which kind of turns out to be uh, essentially nothing right like it's it's either this is again part of what i love about the game is there's a lot of interpretation it is either literally just shadows of of light that humanity is fighting based on their own cultural like reach overextending or it is an alien life form so completely devoid of connection to humanity that is uncomprehendable by humans but either way it doesn't end up being a real threat you know it ends up being 
essentially completely destroyed and then earth begins to get a a significant fear of these humans living in space being no longer tethered to earth so kind of breaking away from the cultural norms and the cultural you know power of earth so they again try to draw them back and that's where the story takes place right between these these three separate factions you have the um memorial foundation which is i always fucking forget for some reason which is like the the group of the people based on you know earth that is trying to bring them back there's the cradles grace which are the essentially the colony that lives on mars that is the main like holdout large colony that is living in space and then there are the celestial mechanics which are kind of this breakout faction that is more interested in engaging with this idea and maybe making some sort of an existential threat real um that is kind of the rest of people who live in space that are not necessarily part of cradle's grace and then those three you know again like three factions are pitted against each other and that's where the story begins the story begins you can select any of the three characters and you just kind of play out up to i think it's like nine days of uh mm-hmm. of these missions where each of these uh uh, groups have factions have their own sort of goal in mind um as as alex had mentioned earlier so um as you go through them you go in between these like chat logs with separate um like secondary characters and things like that and then each time you go on a mission you will have a choice to influence the story to uh sort of help one of the three fact or three factions usually it's yourself or the other one you're going to run into so if mm-hmm. you're test pilot or if you're pilot a and you're going to run into b you can either pick a or b to sort of work out uh, what's going to happen. And then that influence will decide what ending you get. So mm-hmm. there's three endings, three characters, and you could get any ending with each character. Um, however, up top, if you're here and, you, uh, and you, you're like, oh, yeah, I want to play this game for sure. Um, just, just take our advice and just play the, the ending that is assigned with your uh, faction. It is much better that way. Uh, it, but it, we'll get into yes. that later. Um, you can, let's to be clear, if, if you are in that boat, you can make choices that are, you know, betray your faction if you think they are more interesting choices or you are more interested in that, as long as your faction is the one that you, you get, like, a percentage of how loyal or betrayed you've been. As long as your faction has the highest percentage, you'll still get that ending. So yes. that's all you need to, to worry about. But, yeah, you can, the, the choices in between could be narratively more interesting, so don't feel confined to one set of choices. Exactly. Just try to get that ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's kind of the structure. It's it's pretty simple. There's not like a lot of you know gameplay or anything like that. It's mostly just you know making those choices um, and, and and reading through letters. The chats and letters are optional. If you were to just kind of want to just kind of see an ending and see a thing through, I would guess that would reduce this game's length significantly. <laughs> um, so okay, the chats but you don't want are optional, but they're optional in air quotes, right? They're yeah. not optional. That is, this game is the interactions, the backstory, the chats. It, you can't, you shouldn't skip any of that. Like you can, but you really right. shouldn't. You shouldn't. And, and and they all kind of serve a different purpose, right? Like I, I think the chats serve a purpose to show how that character. Um, has a relationship with someone within their faction, someone they don't have a direct disagreement or romantic interest with, uh, which are 
go hand in hand constantly. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, just someone that's in their faction that is a friend or or you know a higher up or or a peer or something like that. And the the letters are much more like let's really get into a world building, separate the character from the faction. Or, or yeah, the character from the faction. Talk about that more secondary characters or backgrounds of those characters, and then the conflict are the are the missions where you know mm-hmm. it's really pinning those two against or together. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about some of these characters. I can I can take the first character. I'll just okay. do that for, for that sake. Um, so Saturn is the first character and the best one to start with. You can start with any of them, but we recommend Saturn. Um, she uh, pilots the String of Pearls, uh, which is, of course, as Alex said, a mech. Oh, you motherfucker. I'm just now realizing why you took the first one. You motherfucker. You took the oh. other one that we know how to pronounce. <laughs> oh, I didn't do it for that reason. I was just like, oh, I. Uh, yeah, you were course, talking a lot about no. the world. Oh, I just. <laughs> all, I right, all right. All right. Took... I'll break the. I'll break it. I'll break the seal. <laughs> Another it's character. Fine, fine. No, 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 no. Croon Macula. <laughs> Croon Macula. That's more or less what we're going to go with because I do not know how to pronounce it. Again, all space stuff. <laughs> these all have ways that they should be pronounced. They're real space things. I just don't. I couldn't find pronunciation online. Yeah. Um. So so Saturn is the uh, the first first pilot she's a third generation pilot they have these cute little like blurbs about the characters um her combat style is button mashing and her bedroom style is button mashing (laughs) which when i first read that that was a true gut buster (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so um saturn's personality is like i i she calls herself a brat, so I feel comfortable calling her a brat as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, I don't oh, think yeah. I would. Oh, 100%. But she's... No, but she falls into that that trope extremely well. Right, yeah. She's very... Um, she, she, she stole... She hijacked the String of Pearls, right? The String of Pearls mm-hmm. was this, like, super um, dangerous, very experimental uh, mech that she was going to be secondary uh, up for. And she just fucking stole it, which is just awesome uh and then she got out to space and and you know uh her 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 second uh in command or someone along those lines is like hey you really need to return this you should fucking for real return it and then they're just kind of said yeah that it it's fine just make sure you do everything you're supposed to do um (laughs) which i think is really cruel cool um so yeah saturn and her ship are both very chaotic um she is constantly bending rules and math and things happen the way they shouldn't um and she works a lot in like this like weird pink poison uh that that Mm. isn't poison really but it is you'll hear us do this a lot where we're like it's poison but it's not poison really it's it's something (laughs) else uh, because that's kind of how the story works with that um but um yeah she is very kind of all over the place she's very flirty very fast very uh, she gives me a very like young and strong kind of uh, kind of yeah. vibe, um, and she is a third generation pilot, which will will come up a little bit. Uh, so she is like one of the more recent uh, uh, people to be born in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very cool, very fun. Should we say anything else about these characters before kind of going into? No, it? we should. I think we should gonna... move on to the. We should move on to the next one. I think. Um... So the next pilot that that I'm going to talk about is the one for Cradle's Grace, the one that Duncan tried to pronounce the the next name for, which again we believe is Kroon Macula, Kroon Macula. Um, I don't. Kroon Macula sounds so bad. Kroon Macula, Kroon 
I don't know. Um, but anyway, that pilot is Pluto. Again, she's for Cradle's Grace. Um, Pluto has... First off, I, I love her mech design a lot. Um, it's oh, yeah. like just this giant towering red humanoid kind of creature with... Um, I don't know what the term for the things that are dropping in front of her face to kind of look like bars, like but veil. kind of look like beads. It's like a veil, yeah. yeah. It's like a, a string, like a series of strings to create a veil. It, like a string cool of magazine. pearls, you might say. Like a string of <laughs> Oh, by the way, string anyway. of pearls is Mewtwo. Pink Mewtwo. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pluto is, I would say, in... in all of these characters are, are pretty unique from one another. So I'm not going to say she's in contrast to Saturn because she's also in contrast to the next one. Um, I would say the thing to know about Pluto is she is the quote-unquote princess of Cradle's Grace. She is the only one that can pilot her mech, and her mech was designed to be something that is so large and imposing, and I mean that in like a metaphorical sense, not a physical sense, but also in a physical sense, um, that it can kind of bend space and time around itself, right? There's a number of scenes where she creates stars or is enveloped in stardust or does something, right? Sure. You know, the again, we'll talk a little bit about this conceptually, but gravity is a thing in this game that is used both in a literal and metaphorical sense and also in a kind of like sci-fi magic type sense where gravity is you know the force that binds humans together and the force that binds the worlds together but it's also a you know a self or an insert for for like culture and an insert for power and like attractive like the attractive nature of things so Ain't she, that just midichlorians it's not midichlorians <laughs> because it's cool <laughs> that's why it's different um and for a, a slew of other reasons so that's kind of pluto's thing is she is you know she draws people to her. She has an overpowering presence within herself, but also is at least at the, the point in the story when we meet her, she is endlessly forgiving and accepting and willing to do what is right for, you know, what she thinks she needs to have, have done and what needs to happen for people to be, you know, safe and happy, right? And And I think that she is definitely the one that feels the most, like, believes in what she's doing, right? And I, I think that... As a, a character, she they do a good job of, of writing her to the point that she has a, like a, a draw to her where you're just like, oh yeah, like I do sort of intrinsically just trust Pluto with what she is doing, um, and I think uh, very very interesting character. Uh, the blurb that she get the combat style is fighting your struggles extremely ad- finding your struggles extremely adorable. Uh, relationship style is telling you what a good job you did struggling, which is also <laughs> very good. Um, very supportive. In all of her fights, she's very supportive. Very, oh, you did a great job, or oh, you're trying so hard, I'm so happy. Um, Creates black hole Pluto. and throws it at you. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Only has guns and poison. Uh, oh. Uh, the last character here is um, veteran pilot Lunaterra. Uh, Mar Crisium. Marie Crisium. Marie Crisium is um, maybe is uh, is her her or ship. Mare? I don't know. Mare. It's like a. It's very. It's very angular. Her mech's very angular, and um, it was the first and, ship self ever created, right? That was yeah. the thing. So it looks like a prototype of what some other things would end up being. Exactly. It's like if I told you, draw me 10 mechs, it's like maybe one of the first three you would draw. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you were yeah. good at drawing mechs, um, <laughs> if you asked me to draw it, it would look so bad. Um, <laughs> but anyways, so um, 
uh, she is part of the Memorial Foundation, which reminder, these are the 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 uh, the folks who would like to bring um, uh, to bring the ship selves back to Earth, kind of like, hey, we've had we've completed the mission. Let's yeah. go home back to Earth. Space is done. The threat of humans in space is greater than non-existent aliens. Space is canceled. We're done with it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> her combat style is untouchable sniper and saboteur, nicknamed the ghost. Her texting style is nicknamed the ghost for a second reason. Uh, she is the um, she is a seasoned um, Kind of, she's one of the first pilots. Uh, her mech, something interesting, has this like uh, gash or or open wound in um, in her arm that is just always bleeding, um, mm-hmm. which is just a, a horrible thought. And uh, she also has like a a large scar on her face as well. Um, she's mm-hmm. definitely the most like self. I, I think self destruct self destruct is not the right word. It's much more like um what would you can you just can she's you, can you I be an adjective she is, she is by far the most unsure of herself yeah that's I a think. good yeah very good yeah it's much more unsure she uh she talks a lot about having to follow her like her body's instinct and like a natural like like it's, nothing is planned because if she thinks too much about things like mm-hmm. it's not going to go well and she just has to go with what is you know what is in her mind right now um i think her identity is very tied to her like because i mean all these characters have their identity very well tied to their um to their ship selves but i think hers is one of the the strongest ones where it's just like we have been through thick and thin like the opening is literally the ship telling her like hey um everything is very bad please don't override this error override (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> please no please look at this and take care of it override um so it's very like you know um wounded combat soldier uh with things like that so um yeah. before yeah. we uh before we move on to talking about some of the endings because i i want to break up the us just explaining what's happening in the game which which one of these pilots did you gravitate towards or 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 connect with or enjoy the most i think i I think Pluto's just my favorite. I I just I think she's got such a I think the writing and her sections are super unique and I just like I don't know. I like her as a character and I I find I think I found her when I was playing as the other like I played Saturn first and when I was mm-hmm. playing Saturn I found her to be really annoying cuz I didn't really get the whole like that's cute thing, but I mean now that I understand like a little bit more about her position in the story and like, you know, her elevated elevation, really, like I, I kind of get it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I think I, I, I appreciate that one the most. And I think it's also my favorite, um, uh, faction as well. I think Cradle's Grace is one of the more, most interesting of the three factions. What about you? Yeah. I I liked so I liked all these characters a lot. I think the one that I ended up gravitating towards the most was probably Luna Terra. Um, I just I think first off her story was just the most grounded. I think at, yeah. at least until yeah. the ending. Um, that and that that helped give me something to put more context into the world. So I think there's there's part of that playing into it, which is just like oh, I like the story a lot, but also as a character, I just really like. 
her and the the particular set of struggles she goes through um you know the every instance where she makes it you know every story of her at least in the first like six days or something has her on the fence about making a decision and then making a decision and usually like either completely throwing herself into it or immediately regretting it and like turning it on its head like instantly uh and i really really like the way that all of those sections were handled quite a lot and i found that like i you know i connect with that indecision and that you know being torn between different ideas about what you think you should do and and you know again she you know part of her story is she was with cradle's grace and then betrayed them to go with the memorial foundation and and her whole reasoning is like oh i did like i did the thing i'm supposed to do i did the adult thing so that everybody could live well together and like whether or not i like that i did it i you know this is my rationale for it right and you can tell that that like tears at her quite a bit and i think that whole plot line worked extremely well for me and was really easy to connect to um so i i think that's probably she's probably my favorite of the three but all yeah. three were very good and again extremely different you got different things out of each each set of stories but i also like luna terra as a name quite a bit i just think it's an extremely cool name i've always liked the name terra too um yeah uh i, I will say though saturn comes i saturn and luna terra kind of tie for me um, because I love that Saturn as a protagonist like fails a lot, but fails upwards so constantly mm-hmm. where I find that really inspirational in a way where it's like when I fail, I take it I take it so hard in the dumps. And I think when I see her like flip a lot of those failures and like literally space bend around her failures, I think it's mm-hmm. like, damn, that's cool. I wish I could do that. But it's like you kind of can do that because, you know, it's it's of your own own mind and things like that so i think that's a that's another one that i really connected with as well also yeah the 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 angle for pluto of like we haven't really touched too much on this but she's very like like psychic and also like seems somewhat godly in a way would be by how powerful mm-hmm. her mech is and like the objectives of cradle's grace and i just i don't know mechs as gods is like a a topic that i could think about for a very long time yeah but i and pluto is extremely cool for that reason and also because in all of the interpersonal conversation like that is how people view her and how she is revered but all of her interpersonal conversations are a lot of like i hate this why do people think i can be more than i am yes Uh, and i i love that again they they the writing in this game is so fucking good (laughs) there's this amazing letter to her that's like I don't know why I'm sending this, but I think about you all the time in the back of my mm-hmm. mind, and I love you, but is this weird? Who am I sending this to? Why am I doing that? And, like, that world building of just, like, imagine just kind of, like, waking up one morning and being like, I have to write an email to to this address specifically, <laughs> and I don't know why I need to do it. And it's, like, it's just a uh, an amazing form of, like, world building for prayer and things like that. Uh, super yeah. weird. Um, all right. Should we talk about these talk- endings? Let's talk about the endings because I want to get to our questions very badly. Yes. Um, yes. So we can we can try to do the endings kind of quickly because um, they're very esoteric. I look, I, I hopped around the Steam forums a little bit, and there's definitely some endings that um, very open to interpretation, and the people who interpret them are very sure they have the correct interpretation. That's wonderful. I also Which, there's a secret ending that I didn't know about. 
Um, is there a secret ending or is it just a, like a kind of a Easter egg that lets you then choose an ending? Oh, I didn't know that. I think I that's knew what that it was. I just read that you can get an equal percentage on all factions and it will like give you something extra, like an extra ending. So I didn't know if yeah, it was I a th- secret or is that? I think it's like a, you get a little extra thing and then ah. you get to choose an ending. Okay. Um... So you, let's just let's yeah. just run down from the top in the order that um, we have them written down here, um, okay. which is not the order that I experienced them in, but it's an interesting experience. So again, the 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 plot for this is at the at the end of the game, you've you know made these decisions between who you're being loyal to and who you're betraying, and whatever faction has the highest one is the ending you'll get. Regardless, the ending sequence ends with all three pilots, who again, I you know their interactions are a lot of what makes this game and they're very flirty and they're very fun. And like they, they all clearly know each other and respect each other. They make out quite a lot and it's great. (laughs) Um, But the ending always has all three of them at what is the gravity well on the moon, which is essentially the, the thing that exists to allow human life to exist in space, right? It's the thing that allows the tidal reactors that keep these ship selves together, like held together to exist. And, the Memorial Foundation, again, they want to destroy it. They want to get, or take it away so that it can no longer, you know, so that humans in space are forced back to Earth and forced back under their gravity and their culture and their control. And the Cradle's Grace wants to defend it so that they can continue surviving and living in space and create kind of their own, you know, society. And Celestial Mechanics wants to essentially use it to create the aliens, the existential threat that humanity was always thinking existed, uh, and they were going to try to corrupt somebody in order to to turn them into that, right? So Saturn's ending is, if you get the Celestial Mechanics ending, I should say that, it's not the pilot's ending, it's the faction's ending. Um, uh, So the Celestial Mechanics ending has Saturn basically follow through with that goal, but in a different way than um, the, the head of the... Celestial Mechanics wanted, so she takes all three of these pilots, and again, it's very esoteric, so I'm probably, I'm going to give you my interpretation of what happens, and if you have something different, please let me know. I'll just tell you you're wrong and everything. Yeah, and I would appreciate, yeah, just bring me down a couple of pegs, I'd appreciate that. Um, Mm -hmm. So she takes the pilots essentially into this gravity well, and, and changes the you know, the the math and the, the equations around that, changes the, the intention of what was going to happen such that the three of them do become inhuman right they they already were supposedly somewhat less than human because they were not on earth right but they fully lean into that and the ending that particular ending has these three pilots um you know existing among the stars right like it is and, mm-hmm. and i don't say that as if they are constellations which in the artwork they are depicted as constellations but the um the impression i got was that they did succeed in becoming something alien but that you know something alien is something that is you know as the game makes a a great effort to point out it's something that is incomprehensible to human because everything that we have has to be rooted in the idea of what humanity is and can be so it's a lot of them existing as this kind of almost other form of of matter other form of being that is impossible to pin down you know they no longer have physical bodies but instead they interact physically in a different way right and that they all kind of exist and they you know almost become revered as, as gods in some particular way um but they succeed in becoming something so very different that it is impossible to comprehend but it is something that they are extremely happy to be and they are all still together and it was a a very um bittersweet's not the right word because i think it was mostly just a sweet ending but it was a really interesting 
interesting realization of that idea of what it could mean to become something more than human or something not human at all. Um, yeah, the, the the transhuman themes there are 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 super strong. Where it's like, what is being human? What is elevating from humanity look like? And mm-hmm. what does it feel like? And I think so much media focuses on like being far from human is the worst thing you can be. Like, uh, you know what I mean? And and I think this was such a a really nice example of like mm-hmm. really going far away because usually it's like cybernetics putting your brain into a robot but this is like let's define all ideals of physics and, and yeah. space and things like that and just become become part of the space you know yeah and it's the ultimate realization of this idea of becoming more than just the body that you have right um, again right. I, I think all mech literature or or animation or storytelling in general has a very very intrinsic connection to the idea of bodies and what our bodies are and what they could be and how they define us and how they don't define us and this is sort of the 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 end point of that of being like well what if we are so divorced from the idea of a body that it's not even relevant to our being anymore and Um, and that really wraps around to denying um impetus who just like it's kind of you don't really need to know about him he's just kind of he wants a a war he just wants a war really between he wants to continue the war between you know between by making the existential threat the mechs more and more and more and by you know like alex said evolving uh evolving them and she kind of like denies that by saying okay let's basically become something that is so not human that it can't even be warred against like it mm-hmm. is impossible to attack what they are and like they really have no choice but to either just like appreciate it and forever look at it because it's a constellation or like decide to join them in some way shape or form which is like i don't know i think that's really powerful yeah extremely good um let's move on to the other one so because i think cool. they all they, they are in conversation with each other in a lot of ways cradle's grace is um for <laughs> Basically, what they decide <laughs> to do is uh, they kind of they're tasked with destabilizing the Earth's gravity, right? Like that's that's kind they're of they're destabilizing the gravity well, and yeah, the, I think the I think Cradle's Grace does want to destabilize Earth's gravity, yeah, in, in order to force everyone from Earth into space, basically. Exactly. So or that's, to at least accept them. That's kind of what Doctor Nix wants, though, right? And this is kind of similar to uh, what 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 the Celestial Mechanics want. This is what the Kratos Grace wants. And then Pluto kind of has like this moment where she decides that instead of for them, she would choose this like this idea for herself, which is like in her mind like kind of like drawn out in like crayon which is kind Mm -hmm. of a fun little bit there uh i think importantly she doesn't initially choose to do this she initially is trying to go along with the plan and luna terra and saturn do something like essentially destroy what would keep the gravity well in check so that Pluto has no choice but to make a decision about what she really wants in that exact moment. She can't right, follow right. what other people want. She has to decide for herself. Okay, yeah, that, 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 thank you for reminding me about that. Yes. Yeah, um, so she decides to declare war on Earth, uh, <laughs> and this, I, I got it after a while, but it sounds pretty wild <laughs> at the beginning, and, and, and by doing that, she's, she's basically saying, like, hey, 
we're gonna bounce, but we're declaring war on you, and you have to come out to us to come fight us like ship selves. So she wants to do it like the way they do it. And this this kind of like you need a little bit of the context about the ship selves too, that's like, hey, when these ship selves fight, it is like fighting plastic toys against plastic toys, right? It is it is not like the 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 goal a lot of the times is to have this like conversation and argument while fighting, but these ships are so regenerative and like and and powerful that very little do they actually like die or 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 lose those ship yeah. selves. So they're asking them like, hey, come out in space in ship selves and come talk to us. Like you know you have to. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh and then they bounce and it kind of cuts to and 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 I think the intention here is like they are pretty much bound inside of their ship selves, right? Like I don't think very often they get out of those ship selves, but I'm not a hundred percent sure about that's that. The impression I got was yeah, they were more accepting that as their real selves and that Pluto was doing it largely because it was the solution in her mind that allowed all of the pilots to stay together forever. Yeah. So it cuts to them and they are like, they're laying on uh, in their ship cells, laying on Pluto's lap and just kind of like discussing what they're going to do next and things like that. And just kind of relaxing. And that is, uh, that's her end. It's, it's also a very good one. Uh, I think all of these endings are extremely good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Luna Terra's is the the Memorial Foundation ending is the one that I think I have the weakest grasp on. It's also the one that I think I saw the most people having different interpretations of what like actually happens during it. Um so essentially, you know, a lot of things happen. The Memorial Foundation succeeds in getting rid of the gravity well, right? Like Luna Terra is helping them and she stops them from doing what she wants to, like what they want to do. And she still is moving forward with the idea of getting all the humans back on earth. But the, the key difference in the way that she does that is she interacts with the, the gravity well in a way that I don't specifically remember what she does. Um, but she manipulates. She shoots it first and then she shoots it, it to, Yes, and then and then changes it. And the idea that she had was she was going to change gravity on Earth, right? She was going to change it by like change the math of gravity. So instead of you know exactly nine point eight meters per second squared, it was going to be different in the hundreds place, right? She wasn't going to wildly change it, but she was going to change it in such a way that again, this is my read of it, um, change it in such a way that you couldn't deny the existence of what had happened right it wasn't like they just brought everyone back and it's exactly the same and it's as if humans never went to space it was her way of saying hey you can't deny this existence i'm going to change this constant in the world right and again this is very important because gravity is again used as a lot of different things but it's also metaphorically used as a a kind of stand-in for for culture and the uh, oppressive nature of culture in a lot of ways and um her being able to affect change on that leads to a scene you get where all three of them, Luna, Terra, Pluto, and Saturn, are, you know, back on Earth laying in bed together, you know, waking up into a lazy morning and having a lot of fun banter as, as they, you know, talk to each other, one another. Um, it, it seems, again, this is the only, this is the one that I saw the most confusion about because it wasn't clear to people if she physically moved the moon closer to affect gravity, if she just 
did something with the gravity well that changed the math in such a way that it just changed it, or if she did something that was so powerful that it changed like space and time itself, and that this is a version of them that never actually existed in space. They were just uh, living happily on Earth the whole time. That one I didn't no. get as much when I, I read it, but so. <laughs> again, I saw maybe that interpretation not. out there. So maybe it's something that I just missed. I wanted to give you know yeah. give a give a shout out to it, but I I the my read on it was definitely that this was her way of saying hey here's a way we can all live, we can all be together, but also they can't deny that we exist anymore. We can no longer be, like, pushed out, right? Because, again, a lot of this idea was the people who went to space were the people that Earth rejected. So this idea of coming back and being like, hey, we exist, and also we fundamentally changed existence on this planet is extremely good and (laughs) and powerful, and I like that one. I I think hers was maybe my favorite ending, uh, either hers or Saturn's is my favorite ending, but I, I I liked that one quite a bit as well. I believe she did what you were saying, but also did move the moon a little bit closer, so people like had to uh, sort of understand the reality of the moon base and just kind of like it was much larger and more in their face. So like every mm-hmm. night you okay. have to remember and deal with the fact that this happened. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And, like, and what did and everything like that so i think yeah i also think they're living on the moon but i'm not 100 percent sure on that one either. i thought they were living on earth and they could just see the moon very clearly but i okay. don't again i i would have to replay it like, this is a game that bears replaying you would get something out of replaying it and understanding the narrative more um yeah. but we played it in four days so i did not do that yeah so that was heaven will be mine i think that's it we did a pretty good job of like understanding that plot i think we I think we kind of nailed it. I think we did a pretty good job of understanding that plot, unless we extremely did not. Well, I <laughs> Which think that is also possible, but I think we <laughs> we walked away from it with what I feel like is a valid interpretation, right? We did again, yeah, stuff we didn't talk about, but a lot of it's kind of uh, you know it's important, but it's not as a as a quick segue into that. Which one? Because I said that I think Lunaterra is my favorite. Which one of the endings do you think is 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 the best? Which one did you like the most? We know you were a a, a Pluto. Pluto stand, but which one of the endings was the best? Definitely not the. I like the Pluto one, but it definitely wasn't. I think the one I'll end up thinking about the most is probably Saturn's. I think that one really. I don't know. I think it kind of meshes a lot of what I liked about Lunaterra's one, where it's like, you know, we changed the gravity or we pulled the moon close or whatever, something that you have to see all the time to remember this but mm-hmm. i i like the the more like constellationy kind of like you know out there idea of like ascending in, in that way um so i think yeah. saturn's is my favorite but if i had to like That's, pick a canon yeah. ending i i think i'd pick lunaterra's because <laughs> yeah i, I like I the mean, idea Lunatera's... of them all being happy and together and, and like yeah that. and and also i like lunaterra's ending because it's like born of spite right it's like hey we're going to do what you want but we're going to do it in such a way that we're the ones that get what we want out of it right and you know again i'm not going to dive into it every time there's like some metaphorical um representation of you know homophobia or transphobia or something like that but i i do think it's you know it's it's relatively on the face we can uh, expect the the listeners to be able to pick up on the idea of like hey being forced out and seen as other and being seen as unwanted by society and then coming back in such a way that you you know 
on a structural level change society to no longer ignore you has a lot of powerful resonance with that theme so i think it's a yeah well it touches very well with with what the the game is going for i think yeah and i kind of compared i took that one and i applied it to both of the other ones and i think it's it's odd right like if you think about those kind of themes with um with pluto's ending i'm just uh, sorry i should say the actual um with, I mean, with Cradle's Grace ending, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it's kind of odd because it's kind of like leave and tell people that if they want you and they want to love you and like be with you, that they have to come to you. And I think that's a that's a really other interesting way to take it, and something that I don't know. I I I, I kind of feel <laughs> uh, jumping around a lot, especially. Um, I I I, I kind of like that as well. Um, and and thinking about the celestial mechanics in that way too is just like I, I i i think i struggle to understand the celestial mechanic one and what that kind of means in those same terms you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean celestial mechanics is i think the most esoteric of the three right but it is I, I i do like it again in in the sense of hey here is like ourselves as beings that are beyond the gravity of humans right is beyond the cultural reach of humanity we are no longer subject to that because we have truly become you know this i don't know detach not detached but this like no longer grounded version of ourselves right we are no longer like we became the thing that you thought we were to such a degree that we have almost evolved beyond the reality of where you can understand or or harm us or or reach us anymore and i think there's there's definitely you know some theming ideas there but i think it is also the most like just difficult to understand at a what physically happened level which means that it's harder for me to then dive into the themes because like just personally i have that's the way that i do it is like connected and like a grounded level and then to a thematic level which is probably not the right way to do it because i've had difficulty with that in the past but that is well if you, you know. if you take that as like as as they are you know so constantly it seems like they're trying to mend with the humans or like you know prove to them something along those lines or or, or whatever but this one's kind of just like like we don't accept your culture and your ways, so we are going to basically make your our own gravity and culture and, like, just yeah. redefine everything in our own space. Yes. Your definition of humanity is intrinsically wrong. Yeah. And I think there's a, a lot of interesting stuff there as well. Yeah. So, um, I think we got enough time to tackle most of these things. Um, but is there anywhere you want to start? Oh, pick do your mission, wanna, Alex. <laughs> do we, oh, okay. I guess, um, do we want to start with continuing this sort of detached thematic discussion or do we want to dive into more of the grounded, like, you know, game play or game engagement elements instead? I think I just want to, I, I was kind of looking to where to fit this, but I kind of have, I think it fits well here. I think I have some personal shit with this that I really have been like, where should this go? And I, and fuck it, it goes right here. Um, (laughs) so I have been struggling with a lot of identity issues. This is not like a bombshell. I'm dropping on Alex right now. Yes. No, I think we've talked about, um, and I have been, you know, 
talking to a therapist about it. I've been, you know, thinking about it a lot for a, a large majority of of um, the last oh too many years. Uh, so when I picked up this game, I guess I didn't really like. I expected it to have you know um, queer themes, lesbian themes, etc. But I guess I didn't expect it to touch me in the way that it did. And I think that it does such an amazing job at raising the questions while staying so so deep in its own narrative about space and sci-fi and these characters and making you think about the characters and their struggles. And those characters are both representations of things that, you know, like like both um both um uh lunaterra and pluto are are trans and like that the both it's both representation and metaphorical representation and like it's got these layers and things that when i was starting to read it and like start to understand and decode a lot of this stuff i think it had me and this is something that i like I'm struggling to agree with, but I think I do. I think it, it's asked, it's had me ask a lot more questions than like therapy has had me ask. <laughs> and like, that is shocking to me, but it's felt kind of true where I'm like, the questions when I get them are so direct from, from something where it's like, this is a, you know, more of a person to person connection. They know who I am and they don't have the same experience as, um, as some of the things I may be feeling, but when you have something that's written by someone, written by someone who has gone through something like that, have characters that are are that are going through uh, trans issues, and like also the story is intrinsically about that kind of stuff as well. It like really, really focuses deeply on that while also being about other things to not just hammer it in so hard that it just we bops and weaves around those questions in such a positive way that i don't think anything else like has really gotten for me and it's given me a lot of good like really good uh, i guess vibes is the only term i'm using i'm able to use right now for 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 some of my feelings about it and i think that anyone going through uh, you know struggling through any kind of identity issues or or, or sexuality and things like that it, it you know these kind of stories it, it it i don't know it just helped me a lot and i just kind of wanted to throw that out there of like and i could have just said hey this this helped with this but i i i felt like i kind of wanted to ramble about it for a little bit so i guess that's what i wanted to shout out real quick is just how much a story did for me that that was able to be much more hidden and veiled and also be completely out there like i don't know it's such a great job of doing both yeah so, yeah i mean 100 percent. i think that is a, a a huge testament to the story and a, a huge testament of your your ability to, to kind of connect and and really think about these ideas and and internalize them and, and help you work through things and it's also you know it's 15 bucks a lot fucking cheaper than therapy so <laughs> i guess power to it for that there's a letter that that i think worked really well and it's much more direct than a lot of the writing and i think i'll just kind of i'll dip into it real quick where yeah. it's uh lunaterra and it's a uh, lunaterra that says um i want a new start someone else says in what sense 
Lunaterra. I'll just I'll say LT for now on to get mm. rid of the weight. We are required to make it clear that you that the purpose of the program is not to leave Earth, but to expand it. The weight will follow you. And this is in terms of like the initial like before for the space program. Mm -hmm. LT, but will it weigh differently? Please explain what you mean about what you said previously. LT, about what? What do you mean what do you mean when you say you don't want to be me? LT. I don't know how else to say it. Isn't it obvious who would want to be this? I don't I don't excuse me. I don't understand what you see that is wrong with you. LT. I do. Aha. You are saying that you that as you are the person who you are doesn't want to be you. LT. Yes. Then you aren't that person. LT. But that person weighs on me. So you would like to have the weight of being this other person that you are not. You would like that removed? Yes, please. This may be possible. <laughs> I just, I like that exchange a lot in terms of like the ship selves and like leaving and also those things. I, I don't know. I think it was a, was a really much more direct letter that, that worked. But yeah. yeah. I mean, so. I, I also reading that one, I was like, oh, this is extremely good. Like that very, very powerful characterization. And again, very like it felt genuine to the character uh, in a in a way that oftentimes things don't and, and i that was one that i could not find but i did remember thinking was extremely good so good pull on that one thank you thank you very good pull um, um but yeah let's let's uh, let's 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 uh, move where um we could uh let's talk about the art style maybe i i was good with that let's do that all right, talk about the art style, Duncan. <laughs> Fuck, man. <laughs> I just talked a bunch. I know. Um, the, so the art style, the, the reason I, I didn't immediately jump into that is I still go back and forth on it um, because there sure. are, you know, it's largely it is, you know, artistic stills. I mean, you know, it's a visual novel, right? So there's artistic stills in the background and then there's occasional, you know, flashes of light, things like that, that um, kind of create a more immersive scene than you normally would and the backgrounds change. But they're very... Um, I don't know. I, I, I keep saying esoteric. I don't even think that is applies to everything I'm using it for, but I'm going to keep using it because it feels right to me. Um, <laughs> the they're they're very they vary between more defined and more dreamlike, and I think sometimes that works for me incredibly well, and sometimes it doesn't. Right? It's very you know some of them are very like watercolor painted, some of them are more like hand drawn. Um, the actual character models have a more defined art style that's consistent across all of them that I think is pretty good. I, I tend to enjoy it, um, but the the art style just feels kind of. Um, it it jumps around a lot, it, it, intentionally so I think, but it you know. Most of the time, I would say I liked it when it gave me a an impression of the scene without giving me a clear representation of it, right? I liked it when it was more disconnected and more painterly and more not really, you know, more, hey, here's the general feel of things. Here are the, the shapes that could be structures. Here is this, you know, the coloring that gives you a feeling of the scene without defining any of the shapes inside of it. Whenever it did stuff like that, I liked it quite a bit. And whenever it was more like, hey, here's like an actual scene, which it was pretty, you know, rare, um, I didn't like it as much. And then any scene with like the actual physical characters drawn into it, I liked quite a bit. Um, so I was, you know, not not consistent about the art style which is why i was kind of like holding off on on diving into that yeah. question when you asked me about it yeah i, I feel that i think it, it it was really mixed when it worked for me i think a lot of it ended up being super dream like and 
and sometimes they would just purposely like pixelate and blur things which is mm-hmm. which is kind of weird and interesting and i think so much of the times the uh anytime they would do character art like you said it worked so so well for me but i think what's best about this art to kind of highlight something too and maybe this will evoke evoke with you but the play with colors is typically like some of the best stuff in there where it's like all of the colors put together are really attractive and and i think they yeah. evoke a lot of feelings when they decide to use what colors especially with the mechs and things like that um uh where like like pluto's or i'm sorry uh saturn's mech is like bubblegum pink and white and like really matches that that feeling and that character and and i think they did a really good job with with a lot of that but um i yeah i i absolutely adore some of the the sprites and stuff like that for the characters i think they're they are they're really they're really uh nice looking and the the memories and the flashbacks for um lunaterra and pluto when that happens that was like that was 10 out of 10 art right there I mean, that's also that nice. the in the the brief flashback you get of lunaterra and pluto was also arguably some of the best writing in the entire game that was it one, so that was <laughs> very maybe my favorite scene in the entire game it was, it was so fucking good i just didn't know where to put it here where i'm like this doesn't really go anywhere because we it, can't like I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't go anywhere, but it was, you know, again, it's it's one of those things that's hard to talk about without context, but it's one of those things that, again, just lays bare the characters and where they come from and how, especially, again, being Pluto and knowing what you know about her and how gravitationally powerful she is in terms of just, like, her presence and how people are drawn to her and how people see her to then get scenes where her and Lunaterra are comforting each other and Lunaterra's keeping Pluto, like essentially holding her together as she you know struggles under the pressure of everything was just like uh so it was so such a concise way to make a character like give a character so much depth and make you feel so powerfully about them um absolutely loved it but you know what thing i was uh speaking of visual style stuff uh one thing that i was never on the fence about was the fucking soundtrack in this game which absolutely yes. goddamn slaps the whole time. It's, it's like so driving good. electric kind of light, but also sometimes extremely in your face that like accented all of the stories. We'll probably put some of it in here at some point just so you can get an idea of it. Um, but it just, it it took the narrative to uh, a whole different level. And oftentimes I have trouble reading with music on in the background, but I mm-hmm. think the it suited the scenes so well that it just really got me into the the particular mood they were trying to evoke in each and every one of these scenes it just instantly sometimes i will say it was like a little bit you know it just like it did make it a little hard to read on scenes where things were supposed to be really hectic and hard to parse and it was just like a loud electronic screeching i was like oh i can't focus but also it does still make the scene (laughs) more impactful yeah and i love that when when luna terra is like i think it's her opening scene again when i was saying like that diagnostic screen is coming up and it's flashing it's like warning this warning that it's just playing this like grating like Mm-hmm. Uh, it still sounds really great, but it's like very grating, like tech techno kind of stuff, and it's like, oh my fucking god! I know, I know, I know. <laughs> yes, I'll take care of it. There's also this guitar riff that I've linked for you to listen to, just a brief second. Ah. We can play that one. Play okay, that one. well, I'll, I'll also listen to it to see which one you were referencing.
so good, man. It's got like a it's like it, it, it's that type of guitar lift that's like both driving but also kind of uplifting at the same time. Mm-hmm. It, I think uh, it's really representational and does a really good job about the nature of like ship fighting being like you know playful and like uh, an argument that is also combat. Yes. Uh, what I, I guess that's a good a good segue here. What is your history with with mech like? Virtually stories. none. <laughs> okay, so I, that's I what curious. made this a particularly difficult story because I was not used to any of these tropes. I'm really the closest thing I can bring it to you is Trigun. That's like the closest thing I can gotcha. think of, and that's pretty far. Yeah, I mean, I think there's some cross. You know, I'm not sitting here being like, oh yes, I'm a mech expert. Like I'm not right. I've seen a part of Gurren Lagan when I was much younger. I've seen, you know, uh, all of. 08th MS team, one of the Gundam series, and then about yeah, a couple episodes of Iron Blooded Orphans, and then I watched oh, all yeah. of uh why am I blanking on the name of that famous one that you started that um oh, has Cruel bow, Angel's bow, thesis bow, what is that fucking Everyone's anime called? Turn the podcast off. Everyone has hit the stop button. They're no longer listening. Anyway, uh, yes, Neon Genesis Evangelion. There you go. I watched all of that, which was, um, uh, again, I like Neon Genesis Evangelion a lot. I think people should watch it. It has extreme problems, but it's also very good. And um, so some of these themes were were more um, apparent to me. And then I also like have just seen bits and pieces of them and heard people talk about mech anime and stuff like that a lot because I think it's extremely interesting. I also watched all of that Rooster Teeth one, which I will not remember the name of, um, but was also extremely good. Um, so I, I have a little bit more of a background with these themes, but it's not like, yeah. oh yeah, this is my favorite style of of storytelling. This is my favorite like setting or anything like that. Um, but I was I was definitely curious how much of this would just be like you wouldn't know what you were getting into or which one of these things are played versus which one of them are you know. And maybe that's why I loved it so much is I haven't really thought about a lot of these concepts and like like I haven't watched a lot of mech anime. So maybe it's like really highlighted for me uh, how cool mm-hmm. some of the, these ideas are. Um, to be fair, they're also done extremely well. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's particularly the idea of like fighting as a stand in for interaction and also fighting as a stand in or lead up to romantic engagement is, is very common in, okay. in mech anime actual writing style not like the story itself but how the narrative is you know constructed or or how the writing is laid out in front of you to to tell that story how tell me more about how you kind of feel about it and and what you loved about it because i know you liked it but i know i know what you're up to i know what you like <laughs> yeah it's crazy that you would know that i liked it given that i fucking said how much i liked it for the last hour and a half <laughs> yeah, yeah um yeah, so specifically the the writing in this game, the style of writing is something that I I jive with quite a, a lot. Um I've been reading more and more in the last year and a half, two years, something like that cuz I'm I'm doing like a little book club with my family. Um and I think it has solidified the type of narrative and the type of writing style that I'm more likely to enjoy and I think this game hits on a lot of it. And I'm going to read I'm trying to decide which of these three fucking passages I should read to highlight a little of the idea. Um, but there's a there's a type of use of language that is descriptive, but also kind of in its best form 
I can happily float through without necessarily being able to grab on to any specific piece of it and still enjoy it quite a bit, but then also am able to grab on to any specific piece of it and dive in deeper, right? And I think this game lands in that a lot of a lot of spaces where when the narration was connecting with me the most, it was genuinely and truly something that I did not have to pick apart word for word. It was something that I could just float along reading and be completely and utterly satisfied with it. It had a flow, right? Like, yeah. like sometimes I caught myself in the flow where I'm like, I'm in a flow and this is going well. And then sometimes I'd hit a, uh, hit a wave. It's like surfing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read one of these three. I'm going to read the one that you did not is, also pull. Is this, is this one of them? No. Because I really, really like this fucking one. fucking good. It's also yeah. really fucking good. So I'm going to read... Um, just a passage. We'll, we'll each read know, one. We we'll, each get we'll one. Take, we'll take a bunch of takes, and we'll just put the best one in. Um, but uh, there's a passage that I think the more I read it, the more I, I end up liking it uh, quite a bit, which is, this is a passage from when um, Luna, Terra, and I believe Pluto are deciding whether or not to fight on this kind of, on, on, a, on a portion of the moon prior to the final engagement. And it's, you know, I think, I believe this is the choice where you decide not to fight. Um, because you kind of choose how that scene goes. But the 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 bit of dialogue that I have screen capped here, it's like three paragraphs, is in the naked sunlight and nothing else, even in this worn and wounded ship, Lunaterra shines like she always has. Even with the hurt she has, one way or another, some day or another, every girl bleeds. And her Marie Crisium suffers alongside her. The drip of her wound spins like a red constellation in zero G. She's rusted, but some parts of her will never rust. The two of them have fought so much, so this shouldn't be a fight. With nothing and no one else to think about, there's no reason to fight. In the naked sunlight, for once, don't fight. And I, that's such a fucking good, when you pa- read like, that, everything. That was like, po- that is poetry. I mean, it that's is poetry. legitimately, it is legitimately it's, extremely yeah. poetic. It's so good. And there's bits of writing like that throughout the entire game, but it's just so, like... The way the language is used moves you along, but every single line hits in a particular way that has depth for the character. It's 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 incredible, and that's why I love this game so much. Is passages like that. Can I can I read you the Saturn letter? The one Please. that I really like. Yeah, okay. This one is a letter from Saturn. It's January thirtieth, nineteen eighty one. They don't name it because naming it gives it power, but not naming it gives it more. It must be in every corner, behind every door, far, far away in the spaces between stars. It is defined and categorized in every human culture, and it is deliberately omitted from explicit naming uh, conventions by Memorial Foundation in favor of euphemism less captivating to the imagination, such as existential threat, rather than a specific word that would stimulate the imagination. But a trick like this will not work. And the euphemism is allowed a hollow void that can hold all fears and all possibilities. Through gravity, humans decide what is real and what is not. But what is not does not stop existing. And it, like humans, can decide. It's the kind of inverse everything that humans can imagine, but can't become. The shortcut to attaining it is so as to forsake everything that humans already are. Is a bunch of idiots... Get, got tricked into going there. It would make a very convenient enemy for Earth. That's the real fear. Before that happens, I will tell you a little secret. Ready? That's a fucking 
such a cool one. I've read that like three or four times, and I feel like I think about something a little bit different every time I read that one. I love yeah, it a lot. It's, it's so, uh, all of the right, like, again, if it would not be a horrible podcast, I would just just read, read. it. <laughs> I, would just, I would just read, like, eight more of these straight. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I won't do that because it's not great podcasting, and also at some point it starts to feel like plagiarism. It's basically piracy. <laughs> <laughs> so, so hey, we're not going to do that. But you can, is... you know... You can understand why the writing is so impactful, and you can under again. There's, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't like to, and I won't hark on people or harp, harp, hark, 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 hark the hark. I think it's I don't hark. Know. I don't know. Um, I won't harp on on other games writing for being bad because I don't think games writing is generally bad. I think games writing is generally very difficult because of narrative design elements, and sure. I do think there are some games that. They, you know, they're not narrative first, right? So they're not concerned about writing. But I think when you pick up a game like this, um, and there, there have been other examples of games that we've played or I've played personally that, that kind of hit the same thing, there is such a defined quality to the craftsmanship in this that makes it feel above and beyond the writing in other games, right? And again, you get a lot more of that because it was written all by one person, right? The narrative design and everything was was only here to reinforce the writing but it it makes other games just pale in comparison in in terms of the way that they are able to to portray their narrative when you hear something written that particularly well in a game it really does make me it makes me excited for realizing how far the medium can still go in terms of writing now that it is becoming more prominent and more at the forefront right and you know again this was written by one person. That person has an MFA, right? They're a very well accomplished writer. This is not like, you know, it's it's not like I would expect this out of most games, but it it really does kind of highlight how how far the medium still can go in in terms of narrative quality. Yeah, and it's I don't know. Again, I'm not gonna harp as either, but I just. I don't know. I, I I don't think I want to say this, but I'm going to say it. Just know that I, I, I think I have a little bit of hesitation in this point, but I just I just wish games like this were so much more popular. <laughs> like, I just wish so much that people would take the time to, like, engage with something like this. And I am guilty of this on other accounts. Like, I don't watch documentaries, really. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I, there is probably movies and shows that uh, that are so much more um would be so much better for you know the way i think about things and like different mm -hmm. perspectives that i should consume but i don't but like when you do one of those all you want to do is like send it to people like i mm -hmm. i tried explaining this to someone yesterday or today earlier and i'm like this sucks i can't do this <laughs> i mean that's what we're doing right now to you but you know what i mean like it's just you yeah. can't really convince someone of this one but it's just so i don't know it's very impactful and it makes me like i'm it seemed to have really great reception which does make me very happy but i'm like it's yeah. not enough it it has great reception but it has criminally few reviews on steam it's not to say it has no reviews it has plenty of reviews i mean it has a decent number of reviews but it, it should have so many more it's such a powerful piece of of, of artwork um and, you know, I, I don't think, even since 2018, I think this, you know, you can probably come up with more examples of, of games doing this type of thing, right? Um, 
notably, I think the writing style in this mirrors a lot of my favorite parts of Disco Elysium, which I have not finished, but it, it yeah. matches that same kind of flowing tone in a lot of ways and that high, like high-minded writing style. Um, and that game was way, way more popular than I expected it to be. So I do still have hope that that is something. Um, and that's, you know, obviously taking nothing away from games that are just fun to play or do really interesting things narratively without, you know, the written word. Um, but it does make the written word in other games feel kind of bad. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, this is what's so good. I'm going to send this passage to people I know who might like this so that they can go, oh, shit. That game you're playing actually is cool. That game you're playing actually is incredibly well written and deals with a lot of really like big themes extremely well. Yeah. I think we have time for one more thing, right? Okay. Well, Alex has just told me we do not have time for another in the intermittent. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about this game anymore. <laughs> he said he has he said he has a he, he he said he has a date to get to and he doesn't have any more time to talk about this stupid game. Yep. He said something about like being, I don't know, I don't know what he said. But anyways, yeah. he wow. doesn't want it's, to. It's very rude of you to call me out like that on the private Discord messages I send you <laughs> when we're recording. When I'm like, everything I just said was a lie. This game sucks, lol, nerd. I'm gonna go play <laughs> basketball. I'm gonna go play basketball. Uh, um, all right. So ending kind of wrap up thoughts. Um, I really. I really appreciated this game's existence. Um, I think it's here for me at the right time, at the right place. And I don't know, it just, it really hit home for me in a lot of really great ways. And I'm excited to continue thinking and talking about the things that it had me question and like, and, and it, the media itself to a point. So I'm very happy I played this. All the sci-fi themes are also amazing. And uh, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things. Do you have any closing thoughts before we, we wrap it up? No, I mean I think I think that that's uh you did a you did a pretty good job closing it up there. It's it's a great game. People should play it. More people should play it. You should recommend it to your friends. It's it's phenomenal. Um but yeah, I think you Okay. You closed it well. Well again, that was Heaven Will Be Mine, developed by Pillow Fight Games, Worst Girl Games, release date was july i don't need to say that thing 15 smackaroons get it for pc get it for ios you know where to find it if you enjoyed us talking about these little narrative sweet treats i had to get a voice in here somewhere <laughs> this I episode i couldn't had enough without weird it. gags <laughs> this episode i thought about doing a character bit but I, it just felt so inappropriate. I'm, where I'm so like, goddamn I was happy like, you didn't. I did it because I knew it would be bad. I was like, yeah, but can you can you smash any of them? Like, what what's uh, what's oh, going man, on it there? Been like, so a... great for you to just actively make work for you to edit out later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to be like one of those really annoying. You can't, you can't, you can't do this to any of the characters, so it sucks. Uh, but uh, anyways, if you enjoyed, did, yes, I, I will mention um, we decided not to. We you know just backhand we talked about um, whether or not to do another fun edition of that's a crit to me um did not find enough stupidly negative um reviews which did to make do me that. happy actually it uh, did make me happy i did hop onto the steam forums and there were a couple being people being like i mean the game says it's gay which is probably like is it is uh, is it really just like in your face because sometimes i just get tired of how <laughs> in your face it is and i was like dude uh-oh <laughs> fucking read the page right like what the fuck's wrong with you but all of the replies I'm sorry. were all of the replies were phenomenal 
but how many in your face gay gibs are there right now like i you know like, and the the dude was trying to be like look i i just wanted to make sure that it wasn't just like slapped on top of for you know points i wanted to make sure it was like a real story um, uh-huh. which you know look there's a way to phrase that yeah. that's not super shitty but it was a lot of people being like yeah i know i haven't watched a movie in 10 years because i just hate how there's so much like straight agenda slapped onto everything <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's very uh, good if you want to hear that's a crit to me in another edition uh you go ahead and go to uh thoughts from p1 at that's a twitter handle that's the twitter <laughs> handle right there i mm-hmm. did it in the wrong order it's good uh, you can it's look good. us up on facebook we're there as well. Um, we have an email, thoughts from player one at gmail.com. We stream on Twitch. We're playing a little Dungan Ropa. We're playing a little Final Fantasy VIII. We're currently in the middle of a Dungan Ropa arc. Um, and by the time this comes out, I might do a little solo stream while, while, while Alex is busy on Friday. I might play another Yu Gi Oh game, depending if Ooh. I'm busy or not. Ooh, look um, at you. We'll see. I'd love to do that. But, anyways, um, without further further ado you could send game suggestions to us for the email or if you have questions or Did if you we want to tell us how we were wrong yeah thoughts from player one at gmail.com okay i was i was unironically yeah. on facebook i did not <laughs> did not know whether that's or not you awesome <laughs> that's so cool that you were on facebook unironically um <laughs> my bad i opened it up to just something on the document and then i opened up a tab to see like what somebody had just messaged me my bad my bad and then the and then the facebook just got you that's how millennials are you know they're always on facebook <laughs> these that's... damn kids in their facebook mm-hmm. you fucking um... got me dude that's some incisive criticism right there damn <laughs> Without further ado, in the left corner, <laughs> Professor Pigment! Hello, I'm Professor Pigment Matcha Peaches, here to bring you the color fact of the day. Have you ever tie-dyed a shirt, colored frosting for cupcakes, painted onto a canvas, or applied eyeshadow to give your appearance a sparkling pop? Have you ever used a Sharpie? If you've done any of these things, you're familiar with using colorants. Colorants are separated into two categories, pigments and dyes. While both are used to color objects, they have very different behaviors and properties. A pigment is a suspension of colored particles within a dispersing agent. That is, a medium uses a vehicle for the color particles. The particles don't break down. They're just held in place. Think of it like chunks of fruit suspended in jello or sand in water. The pigment, mixed into a dispersing agent, will adhere itself to a material in a physical bond. Pigments tend to result in an opaque colorant. Dyes, on the other hand, dissolve in their liquid medium, becoming a solution, like salt and water, and chemically bind to a material. Whether or not a dye takes depends on the material and the chemical makeup of the dye. Dyes tend to be transparent. There are lots of other differences between the two, but if you think of the way acrylic paint adheres to a canvas and compare it to a shirt that has been tie-dyed, you'll see a lot of the differences firsthand. Now I know you all are just dying to go find out more, so I'll let you go. This has been your Color Fact of the Day. Thank you for tuning in and come back again next time for a new Color Fact and Game Discussions with Thoughts from Player One.